Hi everyone, and welcome to Utility Safety In-Depth, where we take a deeper dive into topics recently covered in Incident Prevention Magazine. I'm Kate Wade, the editor of Incident Prevention and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Bill Martin, who wrote the article titled Actionable Safety, Modeling Change for Line Crews for the December 2021, January 2022 issue of Incident Prevention. Bill currently works in safety and training for the New York-based Northline Utilities LLC and Northeast Live Line. He has also held previous roles as a lineman, a line supervisor, and a safety director. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thanks, Kate. How are you? I- I'm great. It's nice to have you here this morning. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Well, this is a nice opportunity, and thank you for, uh, and I'll, thank you also for being my editor. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for always um, wanting to work with us. I appreciate that. Um, so let's jump right into some of the questions that I have for you. Um, so the bottom line of your article is that modeling simple strategies for teams to practice can begin to affect behavioral changes that can improve safety. And you kick off the article by talking about stop work authority. Can you briefly explain what stop work authority is for those listeners who might not know and why even if employees have stop work authority, they might be hesitant to use it? Sure, sure. So um, Kate, stop work authority is a, is a topic discussed. You hear it in a lot of, indus- a lot of the industry where um, something will happen and, and the question will be in the incident, you know, how come nobody stopped work? Um, because everybody has stop work authority. So we tend to generalize a lot in this industry and um, knowing that everyone has stop work authority is good. It's a good policy to be implemented by anybody in the industry, any company. But if you look at it a little closer, it takes, there's more pieces to it. I think in the article I mentioned, uh, someone has to speak up in order to stop work Mm -hmm. and somebody else has to listen. So, um, it, it, for example, if you, if you go to a job site and you look at the job brief, um, we'll be talking about that probably later, but that, that sometimes turns out to be a narrative. And what's really interesting is even in companies, when you, you get into a meeting, someone stands up front and narrates to you. Mm-hmm. That's the model we've, we're provided, right? We, have to, we listen, somebody's going to talk to us and like I'm doing now. This is a narrative but it's a little more interactive because hopefully you're going to work with me here. <laughs> so, so in a, if you model a narrative, it's hard for other people to speak up. And even you have been in, in, in meetings or in, in a training before, and you have a thought starts popping in your head, you know, I'd kind of like to raise my hand and ask it, but you know, I don't want to look stupid mm-hmm. um, or I, or I'm, I'm a little embarrassed or whatever. Well, that happens to all of us in real life. So if you're watching something and you need to stop it, you have to be comfortable enough to speak up. Right. Right. So that's what stop work authority is. If I see you doing something, I should everyone, no matter what my level is, apprentice all the way to foreman or non-working foreman, I should I have to have the authority to tell you, hey, we need to stop. This is going bad. And that's that's kind of what stop work authority is. Why would they be hesitant to use it? There's a whole bunch of books on that. Um, yes. <laughs> Amy Edmondson uh, wrote uh, Fearless Organization. She's a uh, psychology professor, a PhD at, at Harvard. Um, Tim Clark wrote a book, The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. And I kind of like his book because it references four stages. It has to be safe to be included. If it is, then it has to be safe to learn. If it is, then it's safe to contribute. 
If that's good, then you can get to the top of that ladder, which is safe to challenge the status quo. So okay. if, if you're an apprentice and I'm beating you up regularly, you know, just, hey, no, I got this, you know, you need to listen, you need to listen. You may not, you may be hesitant to speak up. And, mm -hmm. uh, and often in incident investigations, I just got off a incident reduction committee meeting. Um, we look at these taproot incident causal factors. And often we find somebody there had a feeling or a thought or was gonna say something, but didn't. So that's kind of where we need to look in the industry is how do we get people modeled to that behavior so they're comfortable speaking up? Okay. Did, did I answer your question? Uh, a thousand percent, you did. Okay, perfect. Um, so based on what you wrote in the article and based on what you're seeing now, it sounds like stop work authority is a positive thing to empower employees with, but what companies really want to strive for is training workers to recognize early on when a change is needed to a job plan to keep an incident from occurring. Is, is that correct? And like, what would that look like in terms of, of training people to do that? So, so right. So we, the, if you and I are on a job and I go, Oh, Oh, Kate, stop. You're, this, this is going to happen. That's good because I've just stopped something from happening. But the reality is the cues for that thing to happen happened long before that of me, me stopping work. Mm -hmm. So, so what we want to do is empower employees to be able to speak up earlier in the game. Right. So uh, I'll give you an example. I, I was on an incident analysis. Uh, There's uh, three poles in a row. One was a corner. The middle pole is, had a new pole set to go up eight feet. They're going to move the primary up eight feet. Uh, the next pole is a corner pole, pretty tight corner. One of the people on the crew said, so that's going up eight feet. You think, is that tie wire going to hold? You think that's going to hold on the next pole? And uh, yeah, should be fine, right? So they raise it up and the tie wire breaks and it goes face to ground. And now we have an, uh, an incident and an outage for the utility, for the client. But to their credit, I mean, Lyman, has, anybody in construction, they've got repetitive knowledge, really deep knowledge of what they're doing. And if it comes to that guy's mind, should we check that tie wire? The answer should be yes. But we don't trust, we, we don't, if we, how, how do we empower them to trust their own vision or their own insight, right? And, that, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, in order to do that, you need to model that, right? So you need to say, hey, what did you say? Well, is that tire? You know, I, I think it's going to be fine, but you don't. So let's go set a pole. Let's set a truck up over there and either retire or secure that wire. So it doesn't, doesn't get come off. And then there's no incident. Now there's no reward when there's no incident, right? Yes. You're, there's no meetings. There's no, so it, it's hard to empower that behavior, but I think the only way to do it is to, is to model it. Well, yeah. And there's, um, it was interesting. I editing our tailgate topic for, um, this month and the gentleman who wrote it, he writes about this thing. It's called the rule of should. And it's, you know, if these thoughts are popping up into your mind, like, Hey, maybe I should slow down on this road because the weather's bad, or, you know, maybe I should wait for somebody else, um, to come and watch my back while I'm doing this, because that would be the safest thing to do. Um, so anytime this kind of like should stuff pops in, in your head, that's sort of indicating like, Hey, maybe I need to pause and figure out what I'm doing here before. I make some kind of error that could potentially damage me or someone else or equipment or whatever. So exactly. This, this isn't something, what, what we're talking about here isn't something for work alone, right? Mm -hmm. You need to practice this. So, so th there's red flag words that, I, that might be in another article I'm writing. I can't remember now, but um, if, if you say, Hey, is that, was that tie going to hold? And they say, yeah, I think so. Should be okay. Might be fine. Probably those words are red flag words because they mean we don't know. 
So when, those are cues that we don't know. So if you don't know, maybe there should be an action tied to what we need to do. So we, at least we have a better chance of knowing, right? Mm -hmm. um, my, the reason I'm even in this, Kate, is, is I'm also, as you know, I'm in the medical field. Mm -hmm. um, I simultaneously was a paramedic while I was a lineman and a flight paramedic. And now I'm a flight nurse paramedic. And I don't, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But, but every, for 22 years, I've been seeing really bad stuff. And I can correlate that with some things I've seen in the electrical industry. But every time I come upon a bad incident, there were cues up front that were missed that would have changed the outcome, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and when we do look at these investigations, if what we tend to, we want to simplify, we want to go to cause and effect. So somebody gets an electric shock, you know? So the answer is wear your rubber gloves. There, that's mm -hmm. fixed, right? But the question is why weren't they wearing the rubber gloves? I, I flew a lady with a skull, double skull fracture um, in a northern town. She was riding on a bike trail with her two children and her husband. The two children were wearing bike helmets. Her husband was wearing a bike helmet. She wasn't. So instantly, because you're bright and everyone listening, in your mind, obviously, if she'd been wearing her helmet, she wouldn't have gotten fractured her skull probably, right? Probably. That's, that's, how we, that's how we are as humans. We want to fix it. So wear your helmet. That's the answer. But when I asked the husband, husband why wasn't she wearing her helmet? He said, oh, she refuses to. So now I know, so now I, I don't know, but now okay. I know something I didn't know. I know that the dynamic that created that fractured skull happened long before that day. Mm -hmm. Something in that dynamic allows the matriarch of that family to ride on the bike trail, not wearing a helmet while her children and her husband have to. If I want to fix it, that's what I have to fix. Right. Telling you to wear your helmet doesn't fix it. And when we start to model these things, we start to see the cues. And that's, that's kind of why I'm big on modeling is... When you start to do it together, you're like, oh, oh, I see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I do know what you mean. You ever walk through your house and see a, a carpet wrinkled in your in your house, tripping hazard? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so some people just ignore it. They go, oh, look at that. I hate, hate it when that carpet does that. If you act on it, you straighten it out. Mm -hmm. You won't know if anybody was ever going to trip or not. Nice. So you start practicing those things. So you start making it okay for the apprentice to speak up and act on something. Hey, you think so? You think that, well, listen, let's set a truck up. And why don't you go check it? I mean, those, that reinforces that it's okay to have that idea, right? I mean, Amy Evanson, Amy Evanson said in one of her books or a podcast, I can't remember. Um, you learn, you, you, you learn to uh, protect your self-image in third grade. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to look stupid, don't raise your hand. If you don't want to be intrusive, don't offer any ideas. Did I answer your question again? Sometimes see, I told you you'd have to catch me. No, it's, it's all good stuff, Bill. Um, and you know, I kind of want to jump off. You're talking about Amy Ed Edmondson. Um, you mentioned her, you mentioned, um, Timothy Clark. A, yep. You mentioned, um, in your, at least this article and another one, um, that I read, uh, Atul Gawande's book, the checklist manifesto, how to get things right. Um, are there other books, other articles um, that you might recommend to people listening that might help them um, with this modeling or, or any of the other kind of topics that we've discussed so far? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of a science nerd. Uh, so I, I like learning about neuroscience and cognitive psychology. But, but in reading neuroscience, I, start, I, I learned that our subconscious mind processes 11 million bits of information per second. Our conscious only 40 or 50 a second. 
So when you wake up, you ever have an idea, Kate? Ever wake up with an idea? Just all Sometimes. of a sudden, a yeah. light bulb? Yes. Do you do you request it? Does it come with your permission? Not usually. Right. It's usually it's something so, that happens when I'm sleeping and I wake up and I'm like, oh, okay. Ex exactly. So your subconscious processes all the information you get. And when it finds a connection, it, pro it sends it to your consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So you're asking me about books. Um, I've got my, I know my own philosophy that have I told you about the, 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 um, uh, I just, I lost my train of thoughts. The hamburger, it's the hamburger bandwidth philosophy. You ever heard okay, of that? Okay. I haven't heard that one. So, so do you eat hamburgers? I do. You ever had a really good one? Really juicy, good hamburger. Yeah, yeah, yes, I have. So when you eat a really, how do you know it's good? Uh, my taste buds tell my brain. I don't know. I, I, there's something going on with my senses that they just know it's, it's you, pretty you, bomb. So this is the hamburger bandwidth philosophy. Yeah, okay. one, of, one of the first people to hear it from me, probably. Um, <laughs> the only reason you know it's good is because you've had a bad one. Right. So your brain with no effort and no cognitive load automatically sorts all the hamburgers you've had, ranks where that one fits and says, you know, this is good. Not as good as Joe's, but 10 times better than those other pieces of crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. So with yeah. no effort. So your ability to know you have a good hamburger is because you have tasted a bad one. So that's kind of how I'm, where I'm going with this. Um, all this stuff that I've been reading has to do with the Atul Gawande's book, The Checklist Manifesto has a lot to do with medicine, but he also just talks about construction and correlates construction with medicine. Um, we live in, a, in the in electric industry cave or the construction industry cave. And we try to get this square wheel and we try beating the corners off to make it round. But in the cave next door, there's four wheels on a Corvette, right? I was a mm -hmm. tree trimmer before I was a lineman. Yeah. I never climbed down a tree ever. How'd we always, we always repel down trees. Oh, okay. We have a special knot we tie, a skinning knot, we would call it. We climb the tree, we do some cutting if we're trimming and down we come. Mm -hmm. As a lineman, I almost never repelled down a line pole. Because the lineman cave doesn't look into the rock climbing cave and the tree trimmer cave. Okay. So the Atul Gawande's book, I hope I'm not getting too abstract here, but Atul Gawande's book is really good. It talks about checklists. You go grocery shopping, you have a checklist, right? You don't, you want to get the things right. So the hard part is deciding when we need a checklist. When things are become complex, we need to break them down into smaller pieces. If you're going to send a rover to Mars, mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't take it in one bite, right? So you create little checklists. Deciding what things you need checklists for is, 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 is interesting. It, it doesn't have, it isn't the solution. It's just part of the solution. So these other books that I'm talking to you about are all parts of the solution. And if I were to recommend some Gary Klein, um, uh, seeing things others don't, the remarkable way we gain insights. It's interesting to understand how that works. He's a cognitive psychologist. John Barge, um, I'm working with him personally right now, him and Gary Latham. Gary Latham writes books on goal setting, which goal setting is requires conscious load, motivation, and practice. John Barge is writing about unconscious priming. The title of the book is Before You Know It, The Unconscious Reasons We Do What We Do. So John uh, Gary Latham tried to prove him wrong in doing studies, and every time he proved him right, that we don't even realize. So what John Barge is talking to his, one of his relatives and he says, yeah, I'm writing a book on unconscious primings. Well, what's that? Well, it's, well it's, we're unconsciously primed to do things and we don't even know it. And his, his uh, relative says, I can't think of one time I was unconsciously primed to do anything. And John Barge says, exactly. 
<laughs> right. So um, we're working with John and Gary Latham right now to try to figure out um, if there's a way we can prime safety. They prime, you know, use it in marketing and human resources. But what if there's things we can do to prime safety? And part of what we're going to be talking about today, these simulations that we'll talk about probably later, is a way to do that. But we'll talk about that a little bit more then. But so the other books I can recommend, the, Atul Gawande's The uh, Checklist Manifesto is really good. He does talk a lot about medicine in there. So if you're not into medicine, you may find it a little, lose some things. But the piece I often use is the activation phenomenon, where in the operating room, when they operate uh, on uh, patients, Yes, this is often, what I wanted. Yeah, this is what I wanted yeah, to they, talk about. They, of, yeah. they often don't know each other. So, um, and there's a lot of errors during the, sometimes there's errors in the operating room, you know, that, mm -hmm. that happens, people have a problem. And, but people don't speak up. So what he did, he did a study with Johns Hopkins and he had everybody identify them themselves, their role and any concerns they have. And he found that by doing that, uh, there are a couple things happen. In real time, people could address concerns they're 80% more likely to speak up later in the operation if they saw something because mm -hmm. the ice was broken. They could speak up because he made it, he modeled that behavior to start. Right, and uh, made it comfortable one, for people. There was one case where the guy who brought in the, the knee replacement said, hey, you know, I do have a concern. Um, this knee replacement looks like it won't fit the patient, like it's too big. And when they measured it, he was correct. So what would have happened is they would have cut the leg off and had not had the right implement in the hospital to put in there. <laughs> so That's terrifying. Oh my God. Right. But so, so, uh, so the uh, Atul Gawande also just did a podcast um, about coaching. He's a, he's a accomplished surgeon. And what he did, he hired a retired surgeon to come in and watch him do surgery. And he did a really good surgery. And he's saying, he was saying in this podcast, Hey, I did really good. You know, I'm, he's going to have nothing to talk to me about, but it's really cool. When he got to talk to the guy, guy had a whole page full of stuff. He says, Hey, when you were in the abdomen, you know, the light was off to the side where it should be over the abdomen. You couldn't see that well. And you held your arm at a really weird angle when you were cutting, which, which limits your power to cut that specific tendon or whatever. So he's like, why is it? I can go to school to get a degree or you can go to line school, become a lineman. Um, but the world-class athletes never must learn because they always have a coach. Oh, yeah. Right. So so that's a whole nother story. So we have coaching, no matter how good you are, you're an Olympic athlete, you have a full-time coach, mm -hmm. but when we get a degree in something, okay, you're on your own, go learn. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if we can create uh, a, an environment where the, the, co the, the, the foreman is also a coach, but, but the apprentice learns that coaching each other is okay. Right. That instead of me said, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Instead of you saying whatever expletives you would say because of that, um, you say, hey, I, I don't think I'm doing it wrong. What do you see that I don't? I think that's a culture shift. But well, these other books help you make that shift when you start to understand how we think. And if you want to change our behavior, we have to change the way we think. So that's why the other books. I, so I, I told you, Gary Klein, seeing with, is there any other books I didn't, I missed? Um, um, no, I think on that list, you had like one of the Malcolm Gladwell books, um, Blink, and then Daniel um, Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Dan Kahneman, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I've used him. I actually did did his thing in one of our IP conferences, but, but our slow brain is much more accurate than our fast brain. And mm -hmm. often when we make a fast decision, we miss a lot of things. If you can take that pause, which we'll talk about too, 
that allows your 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 uh, slower brain, more accurate brain, to click in. But it's a time element, and if that's what that's we miss things if we don't allow the time element. Well, so let's jump into some of these, um, you know, modeling practices that you talk about. One of them is, um, you know, having leaders model to crews how to effectively conduct a job brief. What is your opinion on the best way to do that? What should leaders be modeling um, to achieve the goal of improved safety? So I talked about OSHA. OSHA's requirement is to have the leader list all the hazards that occur. And then Nika came up with a two-page job brief, Mm -hmm. right? So the real reality is if you read some of these books is our working memory only holds five to seven things. So when you do even a safety stand down and you've got 30 bullet points, humans, by the time you get past five to seven drift, mm-hmm. you know, if I bore you any minute now, you're going to be thinking about your vacation or grocery <laughs> shopping. Right. So that's because we drift. So if you're, st- if I've watched these and I've got actually there, uh, there's a video of real time job briefs and I've watched them. You'll watch once you get past five to seven things, they start kicking stones on the ground, pulling out their phones, looking around because they've already drifted. Right. So how effective is that if somebody's reading you all the things that are going to go wrong today, but you're not engaged? Well, and right? especially if you're not an auditory person too, like I know personally, I do better reading things. So yeah, once somebody starts talking a little too long, I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> So the best athletes in the world use visualization. If you've ever, I'm, I'm a skier. If you ever watch a downhill skier, um, they'll close their eyes just before the course and they're going to be doing 90 miles an hour. And just before they go, they're doing one of these things in their mind. They're actually seeing what they're going to do. If you watch a lineman or anybody in the craft, a stage, substations guy look in, as soon as they look at their work, they're envisioning themselves there and what sequence they're going to do to do that work. Lineman will look at himself on the bucket. I'm going to go from this side of the pole to that side of the pole. Those that's they're visualizing. So imagine if you were a downhill skier ready to you're up in you're up next and you start you start visualizing what you're gonna do because when you get in the gate, you're, you you want to be ready. So hey, whoa, whoa, excuse me. Yeah, listen, would you sign this job brief, please? Excuse me? Yeah, I, I know you're gonna race in a bit, but let, I just want to go over these things, make sure that you know that third gate down is a little bit twisty and there's some ice on the fifth gate. And would you just sign us that you acknowledge that you've, you, we've gone over these hazards? So what we do is we interrupt the very thing that's going to make us safer mm-hmm. that we use in high-performance athletes um, with a sequencing of a job brief sometimes. So the fact that we stand around and agree to the job brief and file the OSHA, do the OSHA compliant thing is important, right? And it's good. There's things we're going to catch. But the real part comes when we get together. And sometimes the crew will even split. The two guys in the bucket are talking over here. The groundmen are talking over here. We need to have that conversation together. So let's go and look up at the poll and I'll simulate. And if, if we, I, I've practiced this, actually simulated this with line crews, the same thing Atul Gwani did in the operating room. They don't need mm-hmm. they work together. They don't need to introduce themselves. But I said, it, it was a little chunky for them because it's this something to do. I said, look, let's just go around and tell me what your role is. And there is, and tell me any concerns you have. So the, the journey, I'm in the bucket. This is what I'm doing. Then another guy, I'm in the bucket. I'm going to, I'm going to help him do this. And then they get to the apprentice and the apprentice says, you know, what am I going to say? And I said, just tell us who you are and what your role is. All righty. And any concern he said, or just say, I don't have any concerns, but just get a chance to speak. Right. So the apprentice says, all right, well, I'm, J- I'm Jason. Um, uh, this is my first week here. The other apprentice has moved on and I do have a concern. He said, what's that? He says, I'm worried that their expectations, Jay, the other apprentice was really good in the bucket. I'm pretty new. 
and I'm going to be up in the bucket. I'm a little concerned that their expectations of me might be too high because mm -hmm. they're going to think I'm him. And gotcha. all of a sudden I backed out of the way and the journeyman started having a conversation. Hey, look at Jason, don't sweat it. We're going to tell you what position to be in. We'll, we'll invite you in to do the work that you can do. You're going to be on our minds because we're going to keep you safe doing this thing. And they, they had a conversation back and forth. If we hadn't done that, would that conversation have happened? Probably I not. I don't know. Yeah. It may, it may have, may Maybe. not, but, but, but if you encourage that interaction, the interaction is, is, the, is the part that's important. Me leading it, I'm not important. I, I, I'm just a facilitator. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to get them to tell us what their roles are. And once everybody identified, here's, here's the other thing. I was a line foreman. If you worked for me, we did the job brief. This is what we're doing. You're going to go off. You can do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if there's foreman listening to me, they've done this. What did I tell you? Is that what I told you to do? Come on down here. What, what are you doing? Right? Because we never confirmed that he understood what I think I said. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I clearly understand this is what I told you. Well, that's right. not what I heard. Right? Well, when we do this roundtable thing, what's your role and what are your concerns? It's, it's like three-way communication. You're confirming that this guy understands what, what I mean, you have a five-year-old in, in your, what, near a road. Uh, uh, you're going to stay away from the road. What did I tell you, five-year-old? The five-year-old says, stay away from the road. Exactly. So now I've confirmed it. We don't want to treat everybody like five-year-olds, but there's some things that need confirmation because there's so much noise. Yes. And the job brief creates some of that noise. Because I'm going to tell you, we can try to identify all the hazards today, but until you get up on that pole, you don't even know the crack you're going to see in the pole or the loose bolt or the things that so we can't predict them all. They happen in real time. Mm -hmm. So the discussion is really important and activating that ability to say, well, wait a minute, this cutout's got a crack in it. This switch, you know, we, we got we to regroup, right? Instead of be, being driving, not even thinking about the cutout because I'm, I'm just going to their transfer phase. Well, and I feel like this sort of leads into um, one of the other modeling practices that you recommend it, which is, you know, pausing or engaging in soft stops um, before making a critical move or when your intuition is kind of telling you something's wrong. Um, can you talk more about those engaging in soft stops and, and how that can help people, um, you know, stay safer? I can, um, I hate, I don't really like, I, I use soft stops, but the word, but I, I don't, it has Lyman and, and construction workers. There's nothing soft about them when they're working and okay. and it's kind of like when you kind of like when you talk about emotional intelligence with them or um it, or soft skills right mm -hmm. soft skills are hard skills and and a, and a hard stop is the one you want to avoid the hard stop is when everything has gone wrong and it's going to go right to heck if we don't stop now the soft stop is identifying a cue like that tie wire hey is that tie wire gonna let's stop and talk about that right and really it has to do with a time element. If you can interrupt, we're, we're construction workers and our, our uh, and utility workers are in gear. They're getting work done and they're moving. If you're transferring one phase of a pole, you're really thinking about this the next phase because you're already there, right? I'm doing this. Okay, next I'm going to do this because we live in the future. That's a whole other discussion. But we we always you didn't think about which foot you got out of bed this morning. It's all happening in real time. So. If we can recognize a cue, like, what do you mean that lady's not wearing a, her helmet on the bike trail today? Can we talk about that before we go for a bike ride? You take a few seconds to talk about that or just to 
pause, that gives you an opportunity to use your Daniel Kahneman's second brain, the, the slower, more calculated brain, to come up with a with a plan or a, or a change or a solution. But if we ignore that and we just hammer through, um, it's called a consistency heuristic. Um, we are really good as humans at driving a bad plan all the way to failure. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> have you done that before? I, I know I have. I can't come so, up with a good example right now, but I know so I have. All the signs are there. I mean, as a lineman, I'm beating something with a hammer. And if it doesn't work, I get a bigger hammer till it breaks, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's what I do. So so if if uh, if we start recognizing the cues, we can interrupt that flow long enough to say, whoa, whoa, let's replan. And you, you can I can look at all of these things. Um, um, a little girl, this is kind of graphic, so I don't know if I should even tell you this. You can cut it out if you don't like it. But okay. the little girl, uh, 11 years old, learns how to ski. At the end of the day, she wants to go up and ski in the blue squares with her daddy. Mm -hmm. And her dad's not a great skier, but they cave and take her up. She gets off the chair and starts going faster and faster, and he's not good enough to catch her. She ends up rocketing off the trail and loses her leg. It's I, I, I flew her, but the reality is, if he had paused for a minute and said, you know, this isn't a good idea. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. That's the first cue. She's a beginner. It's the end of the day. She's tired. That's another cue. He had to ride two lifts to get there. So here's my plan. Let's have a strategy. I'm going to get off the lift first. You're going to make three turns to me and stop. Make five turns down. Make five turns down to me and stop. He could have had a strategy and she could have skied that whole entire trail. But instead, he ignored all the cues and just said, okay, let's see how you do. And that yeah. we, we are guilty of that. You've done it. I've done it. Um, uh, I've watched uh, ice fishermen thinking, you think this, this ice is a little too thin? No, nah, it should be fine. And they break through, right? Uh, lineman, you think I need another hose up here? Yes. Why? Because you just asked me, right? That's where we need to go with this. I'm augering a hole. Hey, you think that's deep enough? Nope. Why? It's marginal or you wouldn't have asked me, right? We, we don't give the, the utility workers credit enough for what they know. So they question themselves, I believe. So if we can get to a point where they can soft stop, they can say, all right, wait a minute. I, I just, this is my, the apprentice. Hey, something's bugging me or I'm not sure what it is. Can we wait for a minute so I can catch up with whatever this is? Yeah, or, or I'll give you an example. If I, I, example. I know of a case where five people went into the woods to climb a pole. Uh, two people climbed the pole. Um, it was pretty awful looking. It broke and it rolled down the bank and uh, hurt them both very badly. Uh, there's, a there's a procedure for this. Hey, it's a bad pole. What do we do? We hit it with a hammer. It's called a sound check. And but think about that. You and I, Kate, we're in the woods and we're hitting this pole with a hammer. How does that sound to you? Yeah, I think that's okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Right? If it, your hammer doesn't go through it, we're probably going to climb it. And then we're supposed to dig down a foot and you drive a screwdriver below the ground a foot. Hey, it's not rotten. Yep, that square inch is good. The reality is the reason they're hitting it with a hammer was because the pole is a piece of crap. They've already decided, hey, this is a piece of crap. We have to follow the rule and hit it with a hammer. But the reality is they already know it's a piece of crap. Yeah, they can hit it with a hammer, but let's agree to fail safely. Let's take a minute. If it breaks, what's going to happen? Let's tie three ropes on it on the way up. That's a different strategy. But that only happens if you stop the momentum of the work. Right. That's what. It, that, does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. It makes total yeah. sense to me. Um, I'm Am actually talking, kind of a nerd about all fast? of this stuff. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a total nerd for this stuff and because I've been reading about it for so many years through incident prevention and all of the other things. Um, I, I just think it's really interesting. Um, 
and really important to, you know, share with people, um, like how our brains work, you know, like the, and the things that we can do because we're not perfect because, you know, we're, our brains aren't going to work perfectly all the time. Like, what can we do to know that? And then, you know, actually put into practice something that can prevent us from doing something harmful. Um, so yeah. one more thing that, so that an accident investigations, that's all hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. When, when we've had the incident, now we want to learn from it. When we do all these lessons learned and how we implement the lessons learned depends whether that we really get anything out of it. The other question is, did we miss the, 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 the root cause? We think we get the root cause. And then we go through a whole bunch of things that based on the root cause. Um, but I, I've been speaking with linemen a lot lately, and I've been asking one question. Can crew dynamic or crew relationship affect crew safety? What do you think? I think that, that it's huge. I think communication, like in my experience, in my experience over, you know, my lifetime, the more that I can communicate with the people that are on the team with me and I feel comfortable with them and I trust them, the more, um, safe I feel. And also the more I'm likely to look out for their best interests, um, cause they're people I care about now. So. So you, a hundred percent of the linemen that I talked to say, yes, crew dynamic and crew relation affects crew safety. Mm-hmm. Well, what's really interesting to me uh, is that in all of the incidents that I do, the tap root and, and causal, they list causal factors. Yeah. Very seldom do you see crew dynamic or crew relationship as a causal factor. So there's a, so our tap roots might be good. We might be learning from them, but what if we invested some of that time up front before mm-hmm. the incident? Instead of spending so much time investigating and finding out what went wrong, let's spend more time on the other side and, and start. So this soft stop is a strategy. The only way it works is enough people get behind it and try it. Model it. Say, this is what it looks like. I'm going to find points today just with you. I'm going to go with you today. And I'm going to stop the work just for a second if something bugs me. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. There's a wrinkled carpet right there. I'm stopping. <laughs> right? That kind of thing. So <laughs> if, if we... If we practice that and get enough people behind it to practice, we'll see if that strategy works. But that's part of the problem. We can't, everybody is, is, doesn't agree on what the strategy is. So to me, there's all kinds of science about uh, human error and complexity of error, and you can get degrees up the wazoo on this. But what if we cut it back to be really simple? Let's try, let's try soft stops. Let's just try it. I mean, Mm -hmm. what if it doesn't cost us anything? Right. You know, and if, if it doesn't work, if, we don't have to do it anymore. Then, then and the important it. part of the dynamic here is I need to trust you that if something comes to your mind and not mine, I need to listen as to why it came to your mind. It's okay that it didn't come to mind. Right. I, 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 that's how it works. We don't see our own error. We mm-hmm. see each other's. Yes. And then we get defensive when people start telling us about what our error is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, being human is so fun, isn't it? It is. Um, well, so let's talk about your last uh, modeling practice that you talk about in the article, which are uh, mental simulations. Can you tell me how those work and maybe give me um, an example of a simulation that leaders can try with their crews? Sure. The, these are also very inexpensive. Um, I had an, another fellow try one recently where he actually put a, a guy, did it physically, put a person in a simulation, put a person in a bucket truck. And then told the guy in the bottom, okay, he just got electrocuted. He's down and he's in the bottom of his bucket. Go. That's a simulation. So what happens, we practice bucket rescue, pull top rescue, CPR. 
but very seldom do we do what the athletes do is simulate putting them all together. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so you don't need to set up, although that's really good, but if you're just got a crew standing at the base of a pole and say, all right, Hey, we're in a right away here today. Uh, that wire comes down, causes step potential. That guy's laying on the ground. Boom, go. And, and usually it's deer in the headlights the first time. It's what do you mean? Go, go, go. What, what are you gonna do? Well, I got to call 911. Okay. Who's going to call 911? Well, I'm going to call. All right. All right. Now what? And it's a little chunky and they start sequencing. Who's going to call 911? Do we need the AED? Uh, how do we de-energize that wire? Um, how do we, how are we going to go get this guy? Uh, where's the first aid kit? Have we checked the AED recently? Um, all those things have to happen in some kind of sequence and right down to CPR, right? By this, but so we go through it once uninterrupted. That's, this is what it looks like. So I'll, I'll give you another one. Two guys in a bucket, uh, they just, uh, just energize the primary on a storm and now they're working on the transformer. One guy's taking down a, a lightning arrestor. The sleeve breaks over his head, hits the guy in the bucket while he's touching the ground. The phase breaks, lay in, lands on the other truck. And this guy screams into the bottom of his bucket, go, right? Once they sequence that information, well, they go through the first simulation and you try, you don't interrupt your job. If you're, if you're running the simulation is just to ask questions, to keep it moving. Um, and other people that aren't involved in it have to try to keep their mouth shut and it's hard for them. Right. So wait I'm a minute, sure, yeah. you're not here. I even had one, you can also see the crew dynamic. So one foreman was kind of a micromanager and I killed him in the bucket. Right. So you're dead in the bucket. So he's explaining to the rest of the crew what they needed to do. And I said, Whoa, 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 you're dead. You can't do that. Your apprentice has to figure it out now because he's on the ground. Well, no, but he, need, shh, you're dead, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so you can, you see what the crew dynamic is like as a result of doing it. That's one, two, it creates the activation phenomenon. Every, these linemen are, it's a brotherhood. They want to save each other. So they start sequencing this. So after the end of the first one, they're like, well, that didn't work out so good. What do we need to do? It only takes five minutes to do a mental simulation. Then you do it again. They get better the second time. Then before the third time, we might add three-way communication. Say, look, you do switching, right? You do three-way communication? Well, yeah, this is at least as important as that. So to relieve the stress response, because I've been on scenes where people can't even dial 911. Oh. Your brain uses 20% of all of your resources at rest, 50% when under stress. So people can't even hold the phone to dial 911, some people. We don't know who those people are, but when we do this, I had one guy freeze in a simulation. He was like, all right, go. He's like, uh, uh, that's good to know. Cause now we need to do more to get him through that. Right. Yeah. But, but all the, what I really like is how quickly, because workers sequence work every day, they very quickly sequence these simulations within 15 minutes, they've got it down. This is what we're going to do. That creates a shared mental model for that group. And then they get a new guy in they can run it again and they can do it themselves. Likely it's likely they won't. So we need people that come to visit them to engage in that, like the, the construction managers and the, the visiting safety guy or the, uh, even a, an upper level leader. And, and you can make up your own simulation based on where they are. So it, it's, it's what high performance athletes do. They simulate in their minds, their work, right? Mm -hmm. What they're going to do. A gymnast on the floor can see the routine before they do it. If we're going to save somebody, it's not about the skill of bucket rescue, pull tab rescue, or CPR. It's about putting them all together, right? One of the other interesting things, 
in CPR, we learn that it's, it's 30, 30 and two, 30 compressions, two breaths, and you switch off every two minutes. Mm -hmm. But what they're not taught is that if you do crappy CPR, people stay dead. So if you don't swap off every two minutes, you don't get full recoil. Your aorta, right behind your aorta are the coronary arteries. So when you push on the chest, if you don't let off, the aorta mm -hmm. stays open partway and blocks the flow to the coronary arteries in your heart. The muscle you're trying to start doesn't get the oxygen it needs because you're not doing good CPR. So, so we can, you can fine tune some pieces to make it show, you know, it doesn't matter how the rescue goes if you, if, if you mess up the end. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's kind of the message. Right. So, so yeah, that, so that's, that's just one simulation. I, I don't know if I explained it to you well enough, but it's, it seems too simple. The question I'm working with uh, John Barge and Gary Latham on this, and they're, they're putting together a study. What, how, we're, how are we primed by going through this exercise? So in order to have intuition, you're, there has to be something in your brain. You have to plant something in order to get it out, right? So like if you're going to go on vacation and, you're and you know you're going to drive a long ways mm -hmm. and you're in the grocery store buying groceries this week and you go, oh, wait a minute, I got to check the air in my tires and I need an oil change. Has nothing to do with the groceries, right? But it's in your brain and you're and because you're and it pops out. So yeah. once you do the simulation, you plant something there, right? If you plant corn, you get corn. So if, if you put put the, the simulation in there, are you more likely to recognize risk earlier? I we don't know the answer. We think so, uh, based on some of the uh research that's already happened. There's a lot of things um you're you're not thinking about an event and things pop in your mind all the time yeah. without your, without your permission. Yes. Once you do that sequence, the other good thing about that sequence, it stays in your mind because I went back a couple months later and the group was as good as the th their third run through in the simulation two months later. Really? So it's sticky, which is, sticky so is that's, good. That's, yeah. 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 So I, what's, what's interesting, this is something you can do upfront. It doesn't cost anything. And I'm going to tell you, nobody in the industry is doing it. That's so amazing. And I mean, I, mean, I really it, hope that more people are like, learn about this from you so that it starts to become a thing, you know? Well, let's think about how, I mean, how, yeah. How often do you attract practice bucket rescue? Oh, we do that every year, sometimes every six months. How often do you do cybersecurity? Oh, every six months. Well, what's more important saving somebody's life or cybersecurity, you know? So we, we really, we don't know the decay rate. So to me, it, it, a monthly thing would be great monthly, get a crew at random and just show up and spend 15 minutes. Say, all right, because it, it verifies where your AED is. It verifies where, if you know where the open point is, if you're working as a lineman, for example, you got a live wire down, you got to figure out how to make that safe. You don't want the ambulance people becoming second victims. What kind of first aid are you going to do for the nine minutes while you're waiting for the ambulance to show up? I mean, that can seem like forever, right? Yeah. So, so that type of sequencing in your brain sticks. And uh, if to me, there's there, some of the research shows the, the, the more available that information is in your brain, the more it affects your, what you're going to be doing on the job. So that makes sense. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that you've covered all of these um, modeling ideas very well. Um, and I know we've covered a lot of ground here this morning, but is there anything else, you know, do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to share with our listeners um, well, before we go? You got me talking and sometimes I talk too much, but um, I'm really passionate about this. There, there's, 
we're all trying to do the right thing. Nobody comes to work to get hurt, right? Um, and I believe the solution is something we're doing and something we haven't done yet. So when we do the insanity clause, right, and we continue to do the same thing over and over and expect different results, mm -hmm. we get the same results. Um, I, I know one, one company had uh, 28 taproot investigations for 28 outages. That's a sign, right? That 28 times or whatever we did, didn't, we didn't learn from. So, so it's time to try something else. And we have to be, we have to be brave and willing to try something we haven't tried and then adjust. If it doesn't work, that's great. We know it doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? Try, let's try something else. But you, in order to find out if something works or not, you have to give it time. Right. So, so uh, I, I'm, there's a, I, Margaret Mead is a social anthropologist from uh, the 1920s. And, uh, she said uh, something that there's a quote that one of her quotes that sticks in my mind, never doubt the power of a small group of dedicated individuals to change the world. It's the yeah. only thing that ever has. And, and if you look at incident prevention, that was a newsletter, Carla Hausch in 2004, right? I mean, look at you now from 2004. I know. A, a small group of people's dedication to change the world. And, and so it, it happens over and over again, but it only happens when everybody gets on the same side of the rudder, right? If we continue to push on both sides of the rudder, the Titanic goes straight. <laughs> right. Right. So, so we have to decide to get on one side of the rudder and try something. And then if it doesn't work, go to the other side of the rudder if you want and steer it the other direction. I don't care, but, but pick a strategy and an action. If you have a thought and you see a wrinkled carpet, straighten it out. Right. If you, uh, if you're writing a newsletter and you think this could be a magazine, do it. Right. And then could it become utility business media? <laughs> right 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 i mean it, it, it's that that's where we are in the industry right now we, we i think we, we've reached a level where sometimes the complexity of the problem is creating too complex of a solution but um if and, and a lot of times we look at the last line of defense right i was mm -hmm. on an ia guy cut his leg guy cut, wasn't wearing chaps there you go it's just like the helmet hey where are your chaps right. and i was on the ia and i said so is that really what our solution is? He said, what do you mean? That's our last line of defense. He said, exactly. I said, yeah, so we're okay with everybody cutting their chaps with chainsaws? No, what's our first line of defense? And I think that's, that's the strategy we have to go with. Find out what our first line of defense is and then act on it. I, 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 guess, I guess that's it. I, I, uh, I've got a couple of notes here that I didn't even use, but, but, but the, <laughs> the reality is we have, as humans, we survived 75,000 years with a brain at our current size before the science revolution. Science revolution is only 500 years old. The agriculture, right. agricultural revolution is only 12,000 years old, right? Somehow our species survived before all of that, not to be extinct when 99.9% .9 of all the other species on the planet are extinct. That's from Sapiens. It's another good book if you want to read it. Okay. Uh, Noah Yuval Harari. But, but the reality is we inherently have some skills um, and it's not texting and emailing right there's some skill we have <laughs> right we have, there's some skill when we get a thought comes to our mind we have to weigh the consequence of that thought and act on it that's how we survive that's how whether you know whether to freeze or run from the lion right those are your two choices is he going to see me or do i run you know uh, but but if we have a thought 
then we need to add, we need to act on it. And and people that do, people that have worked on a thousand polls, when they look up and they say, "Oh, this poll is a piece of crap," they're right. Mm-hmm. So instead of coming up with some fake rule somebody made up that has is not definitive to hit it with a hammer and drive a screwdriver in it, agree to fail safely, and act on a plan that if it goes wrong, let's fail safely. So I don't know. I used way too much of your time tonight. Well, I want to thank you for your time because this has been, I've really enjoyed myself and I've enjoyed listening to what you have to say about this. Um, and I just want to remind our listeners that Bill's article is now available in the December, January issue of Incident Prevention, uh, which can be accessed online at incident-prevention.com. Until next time, stay safe and be well. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.